So before I start and jump in with this passage, let me pray. Our Father, may your name be glorified today. Lord, we want to see you high and lifted up. We want to see you glorified. Um, we want to see you worshipped. But Lord, we, we do that when we see your faithfulness. And when you've been so good to us as a church. And Lord, I just pray that as we look at this passage, we can see um, this pattern of, of not only your faithfulness, but of how you speak to us and we can respond in faith. Lord, empower us, uh, open our eyes to this text, speak powerfully to us today, so that none of us would leave unchanged. Amen. Well, some of you might know, um, actually probably a lot of you don't, um, even though I'm not further on in my ears, I do have some back issues. Um, and they have plagued me throughout COVID. If you have back issues, you probably know what I mean. COVID's not been friendly. Um, and uh, my wife and I have uh, been in a transition from the UK over to here. Um, Hannah, my wife over there, who's playing the cajon, is British. Um, and we were over there for six months. Um, and throughout that six months of kind of living in lockdown and not being able to leave the house and working from a computer... Uh, my back just got so tight, I could hardly do anything. And uh, I was convinced that I could kind of stretch it out and get better, but to no avail. Um, so my wife said to me, well, you should see Craig. And I was like, I don't want to see Craig. <laughs> uh, Craig is a sports, ther- <coughs> sports therapist um, at one of Hannah's uh, exercise schools that she used to go to. Um, and Craig is one of those kind of guys that you see, and you're glad you did, uh, but you're not glad while you're there. Um, he pushes into the hard parts of where there's brokenness in your body and exposes kind of the weaknesses and helps you move forward in a good way. So I got there, and basically he said, it might be your back, but I think it's really your hips. So he showed me a few things. He pressed in on muscles that hurt very bad. Um, and then he gave me one instruction. He said, you need to do this stretch every day on both sides for one minute. It's like, do you think you can do that? Yeah. If it's going to make me feel better, sure, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Mm, got it. Um, so, you know, I went away feeling encouraged you know, feeling strengthened. Me and Hannah were um, actually in the city at the time experiencing some things. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, great, let's do this. So I did the stretch. Um, and I was like, that kind of hurt. Um, but I'm, it's fine. I'm going to keep going. The next day I did the stretch. Um, maybe not quite a minute on each side. The next day I was like, well, I've done it the last two days. So do I really need to do it today? Um, and then... I kind of just stopped. Um, and it was so interesting because it's, it's not like the pain went away. It's not like my back immediately got better. Um, but I just didn't trust that. Or, well, it's not that I didn't trust. I, I just didn't do what I knew I needed to do in order to have the relief I needed to have. I... 
trusted um, that my comfort was more important than my obedience to this one little thing. Um, and actually, in the end, um, I went for a run this last week and made it about a mile and a half and thought, I need to stretch again. <laughs> so what's the point of this story? I, I think often um, Christians can have the same relationship when God speaks to them as I have with Craig. We know what he wants from us. We, we know ultimately that he has our best in the long run, um, but the consistency is hard. It's hard to keep hearing from God, and it's hard to keep pressing forward in obedience. But what we see in our passage today, it was really long. Thank you, Emmy, for reading it. Um, I hope you saw over and over there's, there's a theme in our passage today. It's that God speaks to us. So we're going to see in our passage that um, we can respond to life's biggest challenges with courage and strength because God speaks to us. And if you've been with us uh, as we're looking throughout the book of Joshua, we've been looking at this theme of strength and courage. It's something that we all want, right? Um, We want to live a courageous life. We want to live in confidence. Um, But what we've seen in the book of Joshua is strength and courage isn't the stuff of superheroes. It's not the stuff of uh, Batman and Superman and the Avengers, as Ken said, but um, it is. Strength and courage is the stuff of everyday faithfulness. It's the stuff of everyday faithfulness. And in our passage today, we see the fruit of what this everyday faithfulness means for the Israelites. If you were here last week, you will have noticed that this passage in Joshua 8 is the exact opposite of what happens in Joshua 7. Joshua 7 was filled with God's judgment and wrath for Israel because they were disobedient to his commands. Um, and, And that heart of disobedience meant that God was not with them. But in this passage, all we see is this victory, this excitement. We see obedience. We see worship. We see confidence. We see strength. So what changed? What changed? Well, we're going to spend some, some minutes now just really reviewing this and thinking about what does it mean to have strength in courage? And, and we see that when God speaks, we can have strength and courage to respond in faith. So let's start there. Uh, this is the first point. There's two points just for those of you who want to know where we're going. There's two points and a couple sub points in there. So. I'll let you know when we're getting close. But um, the first point is strength and courage comes when God speaks. When God speaks. This week, as I said, is is really the opposite of last week. It kind of reminds me of, um, have you seen those Pinterest fails? (laughs) Um, You know, the ones where someone tried to make uh, like a cookie monster cake. Um, and they, they saw the pinned picture, and it actually comes out looking a little bit more like an extra from a horror movie than the Cookie Monster. Um, that was kind of last week <laughs> um, for the Israelites. They sinned, they disobeyed, they went up against this small city and got completely destroyed. Um, they were left melting in fear and were not able to conquer their enemies. But this week, 
there's another attempt. Um, and this time they, they follow the recipe. They follow the instructions of God to the letter. And they actually end up with the outcome that they were longing for. So let's find out what this secret is as we look back at the passage. So if you want to open up the passage again with me and look at Joshua 8, we're going to see how God speaks to us. So strength and courage comes when God speaks to us. Well, what does he say? Uh, Verses 1 and 2 are really the backbone of the whole story. God says to Joshua, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So it's pretty clear, right? There's, there's really just a few instructions. One, go forward. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Take the whole army and go and attack Ai. Carry off the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush. This is how you're going to do it. Take the city and burn it down. So everything was just spelled out. God gives the directions, and the Lord was in every step. Israel was, they were really getting turn-by-turn directions on how to take and attack Ai, weren't they? It's, it's kind of like Israel went from, from navigating in an old-school map in the front seat of a car to, to really using a GPS. There really wasn't any question as to what they should be doing. And... What they ended up doing and and what the Lord told them to do was very different than last week. Last week, um, Joshua sent out spies to the town of Ai and they said, we'll only need a few people. It's a small place. So they only sent 3,000 men. What does God say to do? Send the whole army. 30,000 men. And it, it gets even more specific than that, God's instructions. This tactical genius, this ambush, this bait and switch... Was God's idea from the beginning? It seems counterintuitive that you wouldn't just go up and, and, and enforce your power. But actually, God says, set an ambush. This is how you're to defeat them. And as we look at this story, we see that God specifically speaks to them. But he doesn't just give them directions. He doesn't just tell them how to do it. He tells them what to expect, and he gives them a promise. In fact, he gives them two promises. First, a promise of victory, and second, a promise of blessing. So to continue our maps analogy, it's, it's kind of like they were getting turn-by-turn directions to a restaurant where they were going to have a meal, and it was going to be paid for. <laughs> All they had to do was go along for the ride. So this is the why of why they would go up and attack Ai again. Because God promised, I have delivered everything into your hands. The king, his people, and his land. God didn't give uh, a promise. He didn't only give a promise of victory. He tells them they can actually carry off the city's plunder. He promises them a blessing. 
And both of these promises, you see they're repeated throughout the passage, and they undergird all the calls of obedience. The promises, they show up in the instructions to the troops, and in vivid detail, they spell out exactly how everything's going to happen. It's scene by scene. And, And God directs them, and he promises them, I am with you. That's what he means by do not be discouraged, do not um, uh, do not be afraid. Throughout that, that promise has always come with the promise of God's blessing throughout the book of Joshua. And he says, I am going to deliver AI into your hands, and here's how it's going to happen. And we see the story, right? It's exactly how it happens. It's exactly how it happens. And at this point, you know, honest, the cynic in me is like, yeah, that's cool, though, for the Israelites. <laughs> that's cool because God told them exactly what to do. He gave them turn-by-turn directions. They didn't have to think about any of this. They just went and did it. They, they didn't have to do the work. They were just told exactly what to do. And I wonder, are you waiting to hear from God like that today? Are you waiting for God to give you turn-by-turn directions on a hard decision at work, navigating a relationship? You've been wondering you should be in or not. Maybe it's wisdom for a financial decision or, or how to deal with a family member. We all want God to speak to us a lot like God spoke to Israel in this passage. But even though the way God speaks to Joshua and Israel is is foreign to most of our experience most of the time, there is something to the pattern of how God communicates to the Israelites today. So even though the way God does his audible voice is foreign to most of our experience, there's a pattern to how God speaks to us. That's important for us to see today. So let's look back at this passage, you see that God speaks directly to Joshua at the beginning. He he speaks his own words to him. Um, He speaks through Joshua to the people, right? He gives them the instructions. God's word passes through Joshua to the people. But then did you notice at the end, God speaks again. Verses 30 to 35. Something incredible happens after Israel has, has won the ultimate victory. They've pummeled their enemies through this very specific turn-by-turn directions. What did they do? Do they ask, God, what's the very next step? What's the very next turn? God, I can't move forward unless you speak to me in this very specific way. No, what did they do? They go back to the very word of God that he has already given them. So let's take a look at that again. So in verses 30 to 32, we see that um, that Joshua actually sets up an altar to worship the Lord for this amazing victory that he has won. Um, And then he he writes out or after uh, sacrificing um, not only uh, guilt offering, but fellowship offerings. he writes the law of Moses again. Uh, he actually 
writes it again for the people. And I mean, I'm not going to do that today. (laughs) I'm not going to sit down and and write this whole passage out in front of you um, and then uh, read it to you again and explain to what what it means. But we get a taste of that uh, with reading a long passage. It's important to know the whole word of God, um, but we aren't going to be there for that long. So don't worry. Lunch is coming. Um, But afterwards, after Israel has been gathered up, after they they realize what's going or basically how they're going to be moving forward, um, we read these words in verse 34. And afterward, after this time of worship and recommitment, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word that Joshua or that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and the children and the foreigners who lived among them. Isn't that Amazing, And Joshua didn't just make a, a copy of, of the book of the law just in case he misplaced the originals. Um, this act was deeply symbolic. It was uh, spiritual and it communicated a clear message to the people of Israel that our future depends on the word of God. That our direction depends on what he has said to us. That we can look back to the promises and the blessings and the curses and and the whole law of what God has already given us. And that's how we get direction to move forward step by step. So um, what does that mean for us today then? Because we actually have uh, the exact same words that they had. And the emphasis is no different in the New Testament. It's God's written word that is the very foundation for how he speaks to us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. You probably will have heard it. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's primary means of directing and growing us as Christians is his written word. And the the writers of the New Testament go even further than that. Uh, Hebrews 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets, and at many times in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he anointed heir over all things, and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus is our final word. And Jesus is the author of this word. He gives us the directions to keep going. And it's based on his promised deliverance that we can actually do that. There's no place that God speaks louder to us than in the person of Jesus Christ. Because he is God who became flesh 
to speak to us, to deliver the good news of the gospel that we can walk with God through faith in his sacrifice. We can have strength and courage through Christ's obedience. We can ultimately be delivered through the final enemy or from the final enemy, sin and death. And it's all because of the powerful word of Jesus Christ. It's that message that we need to get deep into our bones, church. And it, it, it will enable us to, to lead a life of strength and courage. And this gospel message is what should be renewing us day by day. It should be encouraging us and strengthening us for everyday faithfulness. It's the gospel message that is the simple way of the Christian life. It's not just the way into the Christian life, but it's the way through it. So how does God speak this message to us today? How does he? Well, we can see in, in the pattern of this passage, it's pretty similar. God can speak his word directly to you. It's amazing. You can pick up the word. You can open it. You can read it. You can understand it. It's God's words directly to you. And, and there's a promise, in, as I already read in 2 Timothy 3, that God is able to train you and direct you and guide you through this word. It might be as simple as having the Bible next to your workstation when you're taking a break. It might be as simple as reading the Gospels with your morning coffee. But the important thing is that God's word is speaking into your life. So God can speak directly to you, but that's not the only way that he speaks to us. You see in the passage, Joshua speaks God's word to the people. So it's important to realize that it's not just God's word straight to us. In our individualistic society, we think that the best way to hear from God is sitting alone with our Bibles in our rooms. But that's only part of how God speaks to us. God speaks to us through one another. So what are you learning in the scripture right now? How are you sharing that with each other? How is God reforming you? How is he shaping you by his word? We need to be sharing that with one another in order to move forward with strength and courage because when we see God's faithfulness, we can do that. But lastly, we see that, that God also speaks to us as we gather for worship. Have you noticed in our worship services that there's just tons of scripture packed in? We don't do that for any other reason than we really believe that it's God's word that shapes us. We really believe that it's God's word that gives us confidence to go forward. And we really believe that God speaks to us in this word. And when we open it up, when we read it, when we examine it, when we pray it, when we sing it, when we, when we get it deep into our hearts... God will shape us and change us. So if you want to hear from God, do these things that he's already given to us. Pick up the word and, and read it. Share that word with one another and come to worship. Come to hear God's word with God's people. It's a wonderful thing to know that in order to be filled with strength and courage by God's word, we don't need a special, specific revelation speaking to 
us from God in this ethereal way. He's already done that in this word. And I think sometimes we can make it too complicated. If you're a Christian and you long to hear from God, take up these three ways. Open the word. Hear from one another. And come to worship. So, so God speaks to us and that gives us courage and strength because we hear his directions and his promises. And we can do that in multiple ways through his written word. But that's only part of the equation of, of why there was success for Israel. Strength and courage to continue in the Christian life comes when God speaks and we respond in faith. Strength and courage to continue in the Christian life comes when God speaks and we respond in faith. So our second point, the strength and courage comes when we respond in faith. When we respond in faith. So there are two responses in this passage that are important for us to note today. First of all, it's faith-filled, faith-fueled obedience. Faith-fueled obedience. So think back to last week. Think back to how the Israels must be feeling right before they're about to go back to Ai. They they'd said that their hearts melted because they were defeated and totally beaten. But what a big difference in chapter 8. And in our story today, Israel both hears the word in faith and obeys it. So when we look back at the passage, we see that this account is incredibly detailed, right? Um, it, it spells out actually what happens in the story multiple times from multiple angles. Explain, explains in vi- uh, vibrant colors the tactics, the execution, the culmination of this epic battle. And it's not to show the military prowess and genius of Joshua or why the Israels are, or Israelites are amazing in battle. <clears throat> it's simply to show a pattern of how people who are strong and courageous, how, how they move forward in their lives with God because they followed his instructions step by step. So each one of God's commands, as you see in the passage, was carried out completely. They took the whole army and attacked Ai. They set an ambush. They took the city. They burned it. They carried out the plunder. They believed in God's promise and acted in faith and full obedience to his commands. And sometimes, and I'm totally guilty of this, we, we like to build our knowledge of God by reading the Bible, reading um, Christian books, reading deep theology, um, reading all sorts of stuff, uh, listening to podcasts, chatting with our, our friends. But often we can use that knowledge to either win an argument or, or even worse, to judge the way someone else is living. Um, but it doesn't sink deep into our hearts, causing us to move forward with faith and obedience. And that disconnect uh, of how that knowledge um, and your will is played out in our day-to-day lives evidence is something really important in this passage. And the difference, one of the differences why they were successful this week and not 
last week. Courage and strength comes from responding to God's word and faith-filled obedience. So Hannah and I have um, flown quite a lot this year. Um, and in previous years, I feel like we're on a plane pretty often. Um, and being on a plane can be quite jarring, right? Even if, you're, if, even if you fly all the time. And you can know all sorts of things about a plane. You can know um, the hydraulic systems. You can know the aerodynamics. You can even know the detailed physics as to why the plane is going to fly. But no one would say that someone has strength and courage to fly if they aren't willing to get onto the plane. If they aren't willing to actually trust that the, the pilot um, who has been doing this for 40 years will get them off the ground and back down again. It's not enough just to know, but in the doing, in the obedience of moving forward, we see the real strength and courage. And we actually see this theme pop up all over the New Testament. Um, you might know James 1, 22 to 25. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So you see that balance of, of hearing and doing it. It's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like how a car works. <laughs> um, Hannah and I love F1 and, um, especially the intricacies of, of how these cars are built is crazy. Um, but you can have the most powerful engine in the, the whole game. You can have a, an engine that's putting out a thousand horsepower but if you take away the drive shaft, none of that power is going to the wheels. The, the, the car cannot move forward. It's just an engine. And that drive shaft in this equation in the Christian life is faith. Faith is what puts the power down for our obedience. And, and what we need um, to continue in strength and courage is faith. Faith in what God has done for us. So sometimes as Christians, we're, we're searching for this new word instead of being faithful to the word that God has already given us. We're, we're searching for these specific instructions instead of just saying, God, what have you said and, and how can I be obedient to it? I trust that you know what's best for me and that you've given all for me in order for me to live a perfect and holy life. So let's get really practical. What, what happened for you, for those of you who were here, after last week's sermon? That was a way that we heard from God. And we heard a really hard message about sin and the destruction of ongoing sin. But not only the destruction of sin, but how Jesus 
covers our sin by his sacrifice, how he offers us a way to freedom and grace. So did you just leave? If there was something in your heart, something in your life that you felt needed to change, did you just leave and, and not listen? Or did, did you see the joy and the freedom that comes with obedience to the word? The best thing is when we get to listen to God and obey his commands and actually grow in a knowledge of his faithfulness. It's not just a head knowledge, but it's a true knowledge, a deep heart, experiential knowledge of God as you see his faithfulness working in your life. Now, in the passage, we see a moment like this. We get a snapshot in verse 21, if you go back there with me. Imagine the Israelites, they're, they're participating in this battle and they're following God step by step. But you can imagine that in the back of their heads, they're really thinking, is this going to work? Is this going to happen? I know God has said this, but can we move forward? Can we go? Verse 21 is the moment when they realize that God has been faithful, that God has brought them the victory, that his promises are true. It says, for when Joshua and all of Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and the smoke was going up from it, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. Because they followed God's word and they responded in obedience, they got a front seat to the faithfulness of God. Isn't that amazing? They got to experience the true faithfulness of God. Calvin explains this, uh, John Calvin, in a really helpful quote. He says, true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. True knowledge of God is born out of obedience. It's when our head knowledge meets our heart knowledge and we move forward in faithfulness. Well, some of you, as I said at the beginning, you might know that Hannah and I have been in the process of, of trying to move to the U.S. to help with this church plant um, and to help see uh, the gospel take root in this community. Um, but it, COVID has made that very interesting. <laughs> um, we've been um, actually, uh, we moved over on August 1st um, uh, last year, 2020. And we flew over uh, to make the initial move then. Um, but since then, we have spent more time back in, in the UK trying to work out Hen's visa than we have spent here. And to be honest, Throughout this time, it's been nearly impossible to, to keep courage and strength to keep walking day by day by day. Um, when we found out in December that um, normally uh, a visa application for the visa that Hannah's going for, uh, an appointment would usually be about two to four weeks after it was approved. Um, Hannah's visa was approved December 18th. And that means that today is nine months since Hannah's visa was approved. All she needed was an appointment. 
And our plans have changed and changed and changed. Um, to be honest, our kind of worldly hopes of security and certainty and fixedness um, have been dashed so many times. Um, it's been nearly impossible to keep fighting. But with all the uncertainty, there's been one constant um, one constant thing that has kept us strong and faithful, and that's God's word to us. One of the key moments um, was right before we actually came back this summer. And um, we had to cross the border, and there was a risk that Hannah would get to the border and they would say, sorry, you need to go back. And at that point, if that were to happen, it could potentially jeopardize everything. The chances were slim, um, but it could have happened. Um, and my heart was full of fear. <laughs> I, was, um, I was really struggling with the idea of moving forward at the thought of what could happen. But at the time, um, Hannah and I were reading through the Gospel of Luke. Um, Luke five, four, and five stood out to us. It was the calling of the apostle Peter, Simon Peter. And listen to this. When he, Jesus, had to finish speaking, he was speaking to a crowd of people on the shore. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. The story goes that they catch so many fish that there had to be two boats that came back to, to haul it all back in. But I felt God saying to me in this passage, Throw the nets out again. Keep fighting. Keep putting, putting one foot in front of the other because I am with you. And in time, it will happen. And this is how God can speak to us. It wasn't just in that passage. It was actually, uh, <laughs> it was quite uh, emotional this week because Hannah and I uh, pulled up a list of all of the passages over the last eight to nine months um, that have anchored our hope in God when things are completely uncertain. Um, and we just read them. And we read them at the time we knew them as a promise. But, sorry, when we read them now, we see them as God's faithfulness. Because knowledge of God is born of obedience. Sorry. And when you get to see what it means to be obedient to a faithful God, you see his faithfulness in technicolor. You see his glory and his truth and his victory in your lives. And what does that lead us to do this faithfulness that we see of God. It leads us to worship, and that's exactly what it did for the Israelites. 
They saw God's incredible faithfulness. And as they looked up in his victory, and they looked down recognizing that it is only because of his provision through sacrifice that they could really move forward in relationship with him. And then they're lifted up as Joshua delivers the whole word of God to them. And this is what they establish moving forward on, is the word of God as he speaks and Israel responds. So church, we need to be the same. We're not going to move forward with strength and courage unless God speaks to us. Unless we respond in faith and do that over and over and over again. Because the more that you see God's faithfulness as he calls you to obedience, the more you want to obey, the more you want to trust, and the more you know him. So let's settle in for the long haul and follow our faithful God in courage and strength as we respond to his word in obedience. It's by his, his, his word, by him speaking to us, we can have courage and strength. And we can have courage and strength as we respond in faith and realize that he is a faithful God. And I just want to close reading another passage. I don't know if you need to hear it today. I did. <laughs> um, but I want to close with the passage that has meant a lot to us over the last nine months. And it has inspired us to keep going um, with faithfulness and with God's faithfulness in view. So would you just close your eyes and listen to this word from the Lord? It's from Isaiah 40, 28, 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope in the Lord those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord, we come to you as our faithful God. As we see your faithfulness play out time and time again, may that embolden us and empower us to obedience. Lord, we want to see your victory in our lives in our church, in our city, in our families. But Lord, let us first look at the word that you've already given us. Let us meditate on it. Let, us, let it give us life as we realize your presence is with us and going before us. God, may we see your glory today as we remember and look to you in your faithfulness. Amen.